Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 133. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm so appreciative that you're here. I hope you're finding some value in this show. Have you heard of my new podcast, The Courageous Leadership Podcast? It's different than this one. It's not an interview podcast. It's just me talking about my leadership philosophies for about 15 or 20 minutes or so. Each episode promises to get into my mindset a little bit more about what I believe in leadership and how it can help you become the courageous, authentic leader that I think we are all meant to become. So go check it out, uh, Courageous Leadership Podcast, and go to iTunes. And just like this one, if you haven't done so, please take the time to enter a rating and review. It does so much for my visibility and to keep that uh, algorithm live in iTunes so we're more front and center. So again, thanks for all your support. I love continuing to get the emails and your thoughts and ideas on leadership. So please feel free to reach out and connect with me and I promise I'll get right back to you. So anyway, thanks for all your support and here's the interview. What a thrill it is for me today. I have Pete Luongo on the show today. He's retired as president and CEO of the Barry Company in August of 2003 and his career at Barry spanned more than 33, 33 years and during his last nine years with the company, Peter was instrumental in guiding Barry through a period of record sales growth, numerous contract acquisitions, and the perpetuation of nearly of the nearly 100-year-old company as an industry leader and a great place to work. While Peter's career was dedicated to finding a better way, no initiative was more profound or had a greater impact than his development of the Leadership Pledge, which was sub- subsequently implemented as the operating philosophy inside the Barry Company in 1994 and remains there today. Since his retirement, he's devoted himself to giving back through his book, 10 Truths About Leadership. It's not just about winning, speaking engagements, board memberships, and by serving as the executive director of the Center of Leadership and Executive Development at the University of Dayton, where he also serves as an adjunct professor teaching leadership at both the undergraduate and graduate level and serves on the University Board of Trustees. Pete, welcome to the Dose of Leadership. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. My pleasure. Well, gosh, you know, we're talking before the uh, recording here, and a, what a, a storied career that you have. Tell a little bit more about yourself um, and why you're so passionate about leadership. Well, you know, it's not something that, uh, uh, you know, I was a, um, I think when I first realized that uh, that I had a gift was I was a high school wrestling coach. Mm. And, uh, and I saw, you know, we took a bunch of kids that, started a wrestling program at high school in Dayton, Carroll High School, and, you know, we saw the saw this group of kids over five years really evolve into very, very competitive at a, at a state level, and, and you know, I kind of, I was a late bloomer in that regard. I was a, I don't, I guess, and from a leadership standpoint, I never really fathomed myself or thought of myself of being, you know, that, that uh, I think I, I probably started to realized that I that I had that kind of gift in college, but the experience of high school wrestling coach was was really I think the springboard for me. And uh, then when I joined the Berry Company in 2000, or I'm sorry, in, in 1970, uh, I was one of two management 
trainees, Elmer Smith and I were the first in a very company, and um, we started out in 1970, and, and uh, 24 years later, we wound up running the place. Wow. So it was, uh, and I think, and then along the way, I, you know, like all of us, I think we all have to go through that experience. I want epiphany, and uh, and that's really what what my message is about because I was on a very very fast track the first uh, eight years of my nine years of my career, and uh, I was promoted to Buffalo, New York. A lot of people said you actually get promoted to Buffalo, but I really did. And, uh, and when I got there, I ran into an organization that was really in, in bad shape. And uh, um, it was really on a downward slide. And it, 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 the economy back then in Buffalo with the steel industry, uh, tanking was, was, a, was a contributing factor to it. But the bottom line was is that for the first time in my business career, I faced failure and didn't handle very well. Uh, because I, you know, what I didn't really understand, which was that I thought everybody wanted what I wanted. You know, I wanted to right. climb the corporate ladder and win and, and please my bosses. And I thought everybody wanted to do the same thing and wanted what I wanted. But what they really wanted was they wanted uh, they wanted what they wanted. And, you know, it's the old adage that you only realize your dreams when you help other people realize theirs. Oh, so yeah. uh, I hit the wall and ran into a very, very difficult period of time and uh, um, had to reevaluate and reassess how I was going to continue to grow in my career, both personally and professionally, and my faith had a lot to do with it at the time. And and so I, I made a decision after going through a pretty very pretty tough time, and very blessed to have the, uh, the grandson of our founder, who was my boss at the time, was very very uh, supportive and said, you know, you didn't get in trouble because you don't care. He said the problem is people do not feel uh, valued or appreciated, and, and they they don't feel respected and. And that really hit, hit me right between the eyes. And so I made a decision to find a better way and started this journey that took me about nine years to, to build it. And simply about reinventing ourselves, I said, okay, where do we start? Well, we start with people. Um, you know, I don't, it doesn't make any difference what organization you're in. It's, it's whatever, whatever you do, it's, it's, it's all about the people. And so the first thing we did was make a decision. We were going to go make sure that we brought people into our business that, had a high probability of being successful. Secondly, make sure that we gave them the tools to do their job. But to ask people to do their, their response to their job if we don't provide them with what they need to be effective doing it. Thirdly, tell them what we expect. Fourth, give them some feedback and then make sure that they understand that they're kind of every day for their performance. And so that model really helped us start to realize that we had to manage our halves of the relationship as leaders. Mm. And and I think that's true, and, and you know, I can apply the same model to the parenting. You know, you, you birth them, you feed them and clothe them, you tell them what you expect, give some feedback. At some point in time, you got to kick them out of the nest, and they've got to become accountable for their own lives. And so we took that kind of a professional approach. And then there's 10 truths that support the, the, the five disciplines of people support expectations, feedback, and accountability. And I like to call those life lessons. Um, so there's the, 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 they're the underpinnings, really, of the model. Um, truth number one says past performance predicts future behavior. Um, the, the painful lesson I learned is you don't change people. Right. Uh, you, can make people you can make people more than they are, and you can't make them something they're not. And uh, I spent a lot of time with college coaches, and one of the things I try to explain to them when they're recruiting these young athletes is that remember that, you know, that you, again, you can make them more than they are, but you're not going to make them something they're not. Because it has to start with character. And uh, that has to be your baseline. And, 
we got into the, you know, we got, and, and I did became uh, Kurt Kaufman and Marcus Buckingham become very good friends of mine. And Kurt wrote the foreword for my book. And if you read, if you read, read, read First Break All the Rules, which I think is yes, maybe, maybe the book. best business book I've ever yeah, read. Completely. Yeah, I love um, that book. And Kurt and Mark, Marcus, they, they did a really great job on making people understand that, you know, the whole key is to, to find people and, and, and you got to find your sweet spot in life. So, so truth number one says the past is, is, is a strong predicting future. So the message for us and the lesson we learned is let's get out of the change business. Let's make sure we hire people that have a high probability of being, being successful and, and help them be, be, be more than they are. Um, can I ask you number two? Can I can I ask, ahead, you, can I ask yeah. you a question about that? I mean, I love what you're saying, and, and, and two things. I love the fact. Uh, first, let me back up just a second, and, and I want to. I got a question about Truth One here. Yep. It's it's you know when I was teaching a mastermind group last night, and we talked about this kind of this epiphany where the people kind of hit the wall, as you said. And what I heard from you, and I just wanted to see if you validate this, is is at, at we all seem to be chasing this kind of. Uh, going through a toil t- for some sort of goal, and what you kind of realized there that the value really isn't in so much of of chasing the success. And I'm using success with air quotes in uh, how we defined it. But your your definition of success changed after that epiphany, right? That it was more about the journey and less about um, the goal. Is that right? Is that a fair assessment? Well, well absolutely, yeah. And I, I wish I think you're right. I mean, that's you know. In that fact, that's the, the, the original story, the original presentation that I built for the company was called A Journey of Obstacles, oh, yeah. The Destination of Truths. And, you know, in, in, uh, I, I think I, I, when I speak, I tell people, look, that there's, the, the most important thing in, 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 in your life is you've got to realize your life ultimately is valued by making a difference in other people's lives. Mm, I love that. You know, because when it's all over, when, 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 look, when you leave this earth, that's all you're going to be remembered Right. For. And so... That's the thing to me that that was probably what, what was really interesting back then. If I think about it, I was really hurting the people I cared about the most. I mm, just didn't know it, right? Because I was so obsessed with winning that I became, you know, this 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 person that, that really I, I started realizing I really didn't like because that wasn't really who I was. But I think again to have them reject me. In, 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 a, in an environment where I really never had to deal with that before, it was, as, as you just said, I mean, it's that, that epiphany, I think, where, um, you know, Lou Holtz is a very good friend of our families, and because our son went to Notre Dame and got involved with Lou in an accident, automobile accident, and he was very, very supportive. But, you know, I think that you, you, I've talked to Holtz about this a number of times, and, and, and it really is about, you know, you, Winning is a result of doing a whole bunch of things right, and so that was really why we built. I, why I built that model. I said, look, if we get good people and give them the tools and tell them what we expect, give them the feedback, then make sure we hold them accountable. If we get results, fine. But if we don't, we just got to make sure that when we lay our head in the pillow at night, did we give it our best shot? Yeah. Did we give people an opportunity to experience their dreams? You know, and. Uh, uh, so, you know, yeah, I, I, you're, you're right on. I mean, I don't, and, and, and I've seen it in so many different ways. I mean, and, and I've been, I guess it, it, I'm, I'm 70 years old now. So if I think about, if I look back in my life, I've, I've seen this over and over and over again. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Saban talks about it in Alabama. You know, what Saban says is we have a process in place. 
we know that if we follow the process, there's a high probability that we'll win. We don't put winning first. Because if you do that, what that does, and, and I really believe this, that, that that's just a... First of all, you can't sustain success for anything. Yeah, it's not sustainable. Time. That's right. If, if that's the way you're going to run your business, or that's the way you're going to run your athletic program, or if that's the way you're going to parent. You know, I mean, all of this devolves back to that simple approach to saying, I'm going to manage my half of the relationship, mm. but I want to make sure you manage yours. Yeah. I was in New York at the World Leadership Conference about six years ago, and a, a reporter for Investors Daily asked me, he said, Pete, what's the biggest thing you think? This is probably in 09, Richard, and he said to me, what's the biggest problem you think is because we were still in, the, in, the, in really the throes of that, really that strong economic downturn. He said, what's the biggest problem you think leadership has when faced with tough economic times? And I looked at him and I said, see, we, we all tend to overmanage relationships when outcomes are in doubt. And he said, "What? tell me about that. I said, well, there's two things that happen. One, you're not gonna, there's, success is not sustainable in that kind of a relationship. Right. And worse than that, though, you destroy trust in a relationship because if you're not going to, if, if, if I don't let you do it and hold you accountable for it, I do it for you, you know, you, got, you don't have any skin in the game. And so I think that's the biggest challenge all leaders have. You know, it's fine when things are going well, but when things get tough, do you understand how critical it is that you still got to make sure that as a leader you manage your half relationship but you got to allow people you got a lot of people fail. Yeah, I love you it. That's, you, you and I both know that's the greatest teacher we have is, is, is failure. But you got to fail in a learning posture. You know, yeah. then it's a measure of strength. But uh, so yeah, so I you know I go back in truth number two, Richard, under 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 people is uh, motivation is a personal responsibility, inspiration is a responsibility of others. Yeah, and perfect. What that simply said is that you know I learned uh, you know that. It, you know, and it took me a while, but, you know, you can't motivate anybody. Right. The level of motivation is a direct proportion of the pleasure you see from whatever you do. I mean, if you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to be, you're not going to be motivated to do it. And therefore there's, there, the end game is not going to, it's just not going to happen. So when we realized, when I realized that, and that we started to, to think that way, then we said, what is, if we're not supposed to motivate, what is our role? It's to inspire. And inspiration simply is about love. Yeah, okay. And that was another change for me because, and I try to tell audiences all the time, you, 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 once you insert love in your business vocabulary, you will find that your life will begin to change because people have to know you care. Yep. Now, it's, it's, and it's a conditional love with consequences. It's not an unconditional love without responsibility. That, that's the biggest, that's the big difference, you know, and I try to make sure people understand you know, that, the conditional love is, 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 is what's most important. You've got to recognize that part of it. But, if, you know, and I think that's, that's the thing that saddens me most. I look at, so, I look at the, the greed that, 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 that our society is dealing with right now, and I look at all the problems and this, self, this arrogance and self-centeredness and instant gratification, greed and winning at all costs. It really, really troubles me because, you know, how do you, how do you not fall into that trap of compromising your core values to chase the end game. That's right. You, you know, you, you, you got to have a lot of, you got to have a lot of, you got to have a lot of faith. You got to have, have a lot of strength to know that at the end of the day, the only person I really have to answer to is myself. Yeah. And when I put my head on that pillow that night, am I doing the right things to make sure that whatever the outcome is, knowing that I didn't compromise 
my values to, to, for short-term gains. And that, to me, is the biggest single thing that, you know, when I speak anywhere in the country, I try to make sure people understand that, you know, this model's pretty simple. Uh, it's not difficult. And it, I think what's really neat about it, it's so, it's so practical. Yeah. And it applies to every circumstance. And, uh, you know, you can talk to Lindsay on, you know, all those different models, but I, the leadership pledge to me is, is about as simple uh, and as straightforward and as easy to understand and defines roles and relationships um, around execution as good or better than anything I've ever had or, or, or been exposed to. And, and I say that with a great deal of conviction because, you know, we've got hard data that, that proves it worked. I, I ran a billion and a half dollar company this way with 3,000 employees around the world. And that leadership pledge hung in everybody's office from Dayton, Ohio to Tokyo, Japan. And anytime somebody would come into my office and we'd want to talk about a problem, about, a, you know, if we had an, an individual, you know, a performance issue, my, my questions were simple. When you hired them, did they have a high probability of being successful? Did you give them the tools? Did you tell them what you expect? And did you give them good feedback? If you've done that, that's not your responsibility. It's their responsibility. And if they can't live up to the, to the expectations, then basically the, the answer probably is it was not a good hire and they're probably not right for our business anyhow. So yeah. let's make the decision. And, and so, you know, it, it just, it, it, I think it just helps people get their arms around what is my role as a boss? What is my role as a leader? What is my role as a coach? What is my role as a parent? You know, I got to manage that half of it. Got to do that. But after I do that, I'm not responsible for managing your half. Yeah, that's up to you. You know, and I love how you said, or you know, tied into that is is, and I was guilty of this early on in my leadership career too, that I was in the change agent game. I felt like if people thought more like I did, the world would be a better place. And, Absolutely. And maybe that's true or not, but but man, I did I spend a lot of energy trying to get those people to convert. And and it wasn't until I realized that it's you know they have a, they have a part of this transaction too. They have an obligation to live up too. And I love how you said that. That is just so perfect and so true. You know, I, I was finding I was spending 80% of my time on that 20% that wasn't going to change. And the reality is they never were, you know. Amen. Well, and I think to your point, you know, and, and listen, the other thing I think is really neat. I don't know anybody, anybody that has achieved anything in life worth value that has a struggle with this issue. Yeah. Because you, we all have, anybody that has had any kind of, any major success at all has incredibly you know, uh, high, uh, 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 a lot of drive and, 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 and doesn't understand why, why doesn't anybody want it like I want? Well, <laughs> right. that's because they're not you, they're them. Right. <laughs> right. But I also believe this, and I mean this with, in my, and that's one of the things that the, when I talked about the very company, the, the kind of success we had, which we, our, our attitude to employee survey was, was over 90% every year. Wow. And that's world class. Yes, so, it is. What, what I've said, and I will prove it over and over again, two things organizations have to do, but those that do it well. Number one, you got to win. I don't care whether it's net income or, or wins and losses or graduation rates or whatever. At the same time, you got to create an environment where people feel valued, respected, and part of something special. Yes. That's the magic. Yep. You do that, you look at any great organization, you look at the, I, I was just watching Belichick and and Brady on that at the Pebble Beach, they were, they were interviewing him. And you look at those two guys and, you know, and, and think about all the success they had. But those people that are in part of that organization 
That's right. And you know, it, so it's so I, I think we you know we all as I said we all tend to overmanage these relationships. But so back to the model. So the model. So so those ten truths are really the underpinnings of the model. And you know, I, I, Mike Kelly, who was a football coach at the University of Dayton, was in the uh, College Hall of Fame, and Mike. He's he's probably got thirty five or forty tabs in my book, but he says he tells people he said I read that book once a year because every time I read it I'm some I'm a different stage in my life yeah. and some of these things mean different things to me. So, uh, so anyhow, you know, it, so I you know I, again as I said I don't I don't try to I don't want to oversimplify it, but I do think we all tend to. Yeah, but try that, to make things a lot more complicated than they are. Absolutely, and I think that's 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 the beauty of it, you know. And I talk about common sense, and and some sometimes when I hear myself saying these things, I'm embarrassed that maybe people are like, well, yeah, duh, but you know that the common sense just isn't common practice. And sometimes the elegant solution, the simple solution, um, takes a little work to get to it. And just like you said, leadership is so easy to understand. It is so easy. It's it's intuitive, really. But it's difficult because of, I think, like you said, you hit on it, and I love how you said that it's part of love. You know, and I you know, rarely do you see people talk about leadership in that sense, but you're absolutely right. That is, at its core, is what it is. But I think because of the authenticity, the courage that's involved, and the vulnerability that's involved is why people don't uh, tend to implement leadership or at least be intentional about leadership. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I think you're right. I think it's, you know, it's, I always tell people that, you know, it's the conditional love is, is it, it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, it's the bond, be, the unconditional love, it's the bond between parent and child, and it's, and it's you know, it's, the, yeah. uh, it's core to our marriage values, but at the same time, telling people the truth is so difficult for most people, yeah. and you know this, and that's yep. the 20% you're talking about. Yep. And yet, people can handle the truth if they know you care. You can't you can't sneak up on them, and you can't you know you can't set booby traps for them. Mm, great point. I'm convinced, that, and I used to tell our people, look, you know, people aren't driving to work every morning trying to screw up the Berry Company. Come on, <laughs> these are good people. <laughs> right. They want to do the right thing. It's up to us to create the environment for them to have the opportunity to grow and prosper. If they're not in the right place in their life, for God's sake, help them get out so they can go somewhere and start over. Because I don't want on my conscience. 20 years from now, somebody sit there and say, well, you know, I should have probably left this business 20 years ago. And, but, it, but to your point, it's so hard for people. And, you know, it's funny when I talk about that, because when I do the, when I, when I, if I do a half-day workshop or whatever, I always do the five, 10, and five. And I talk about the five being that, you know, those are the five that they're just flat winners. <laughs> they're going to do it every day. Sure. And that's it. Because they're in the right, they found their sweet spot and they're motivated, they're driven, and, and they're just going to do it. The ten people in the middle are the average folks, and you know those are the ones that that probably are the most important in the organization. And you know Welsh tried it. That that was interesting. You know when Welsh when he was running GE, he spent all of his time with the five. You know the, the five the, top, the top five. Yeah, interesting. When I took over, he spends all his time with the middle ten because he said that's where the potential is. Interesting. Yeah. The problem the, the problem is is the bottom five. Yeah. Those are the ones that, and, and, and as you said, we spend 80% of our time screwing around with 20% oh, of the people yeah. in the organization. We're not going to change them anyhow. Right. Okay? Because if, if they were capable of doing it, they'd already done it. That's right. In fact, in my book, in my book I've got a, uh, a quartile report, and I use that as an example. It's 10 years of data, and what it says is that our learning curve for our sales 
which was about a year, okay? After a year back then, you know, that was about a you, you, you knew everything you were going to know about salt and yellow pages. So, and what, what, what that 10 year data shows that if you were in the first quartile after the first year, guess where you'd be after the 10th year? In the first quartile, and maybe the second. If you were in the fourth quartile after the first year, guess where you would be 10 years from now? Probably never get out of the fourth. Wow. And so the whole point is, is that that, after that first year, we knew, okay? We knew that those people on the bottom just weren't right for that, for, for, for the job. It just wasn't something, either, either, either attitude or aptitude, either they couldn't, either they could not or they didn't want to. So one or the other, you know, but, but we still kind of, you know, we, as hard as I tried and we, we had people that still try to hang on to them and, you right. know, and, and so I just think that, and it goes right back to what we started out talking about, you know, that, that the, the most important thing in the world, is, you know, is, is to be, is to be important to somebody. And, you know, and I, I just, I, I sat with a guy at a UD basketball game about a month ago or two months ago, a guy named Jim Rosinski, who I terminated from the business. He was a football player at the University of Dayton, a high school football coach. And we hired Jim Selfhorse and, he just couldn't do it because in our business, you had to be able to walk in on a call and you know you had to be able to establish instant rapport with the customer because you're only going to see him once or twice a year. Right. Jim just couldn't do that. But I talked Jim into getting out of the business. He went into this, he went into selling concrete cement. Had an incredible career because his strength was building relationships over long periods of time. He sat there and said, Jim, I'm 70, Jim's 68. He said, Pete, I got to tell you, and you know this, the best thing that you ever did was get me get me out of the Berry Company. Let oh. me get somewhere where I could really maximize my God given talent. Isn't that great? So, so you know, that's hey, listen. You know. I always tell the story when I speak, I say, you know, I, I said my first book signing, I said there was a couple hundred people there and I'm signing books and I put this little tab and I look up and this in this little note said the best looking wrestler I ever coached and I, I and I knew it had to be Steve McCord. Because it said Steve, and I, and he was the only Steve I had, and I'd seen him in 35 years or so. I looked up at him. I said, McCord, what do you want this book for? I said, you didn't listen to me when I coached you. <laughs> he said, 35 years later, coaching, you're still giving me hell. <laughs> I love it. And I said to him, you know what? He said, you know why I want it? He said, I'm, I bought, bought two for my sons for Christmas. I want them to have a chance to be influenced by the same person who made such a difference in my life. And so I tell people all the time. 35 years later, he said, you know, you don't really have to do much to make a difference. People have to know you care. So, yeah, I love that. Know. It's so true, you know, and I think that when we, we all, I think in our heart, we know it's the right thing to do to find this right fit for this person or do that painful thing that we need to do. Oh, we put it off, I guess, for a whole host of reasons. And, and But part of it, I think, is that we fa- we think we're failing, that we should be able to, to convert this, this person. But the reality sure. is the love the love piece you're talking about is like, look, I'm doing yourself a favor. You know, this isn't for right. you. And you got to hit them with just honesty and truth and just be, you know, sometimes the brutal fact, you don't have to be, you know, you can do it with compassion. You don't, you know, you don't have to be a jerk about it. But, um, so right, you don't have to be mean straight. And, you know, what, I, what we said earlier, that, and I really believe this. People can handle the truth if they know you Absolutely. care. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you know, when you're, when you're a jerk, like you said, then, you know, uh, or, there, or, there's, there, there, 
it just doesn't that, just, that never rings true so or worse you don't communicate it and, and your lack of communication is a perception that you're a jerk which is as bad you know because if you don't communicate they're going to fill that void with something that's probably worse than what really is if you could just you know yeah. just get it to them you know I kind of equate so we, so, go ahead I'm sorry well I was just going to say I kind of equate that to like you know you, you want your wife to tell you if you got bad breath or your best friend's going to tell you if you got bad breath and they're doing that because they love right. you not because you know because they want to make right. you feel bad so Anyway, I cut you off there. No, I, so so my point was, if you walk through that model, then you got those those ten truths that support all of them. And, you know, and and the last one really is the one that a story I tell about myself, and that's about. I always say the the, the ten truth number ten is really number one in in a sense because it has to start with accepting yourself. Yeah. And as I tell those I tell the audiences, and it's in my book that that was the, that was the epiphany I went through. Richard, because I got very, very fortunate. We had a couple of guys by the name of Vince Flowers and Charlie Hughes did the attitude survey scores and worked for the Barry Company. They ran an organization called the Center for Values Research in Dallas, Texas. And John Barry sent me down to see those guys, and I spent a week with them. And at the end of the day, what they said to me, Pete, your problem is you've never learned to accept yourself for who you are. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you, you, you have spent the first, and I, now you got to remember, I was 37 years old sometimes, so, or 34 years old. So I wasn't a young, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a rookie at this. And they said, your problem is you spent the first 34 years like trying to please everybody else, you know. And, and the problem is the only person you have to please is yourself. And, but you've got to learn to accept yourself first. And they said, and then they captured, and they said to me, our strengths are our weaknesses. And they said, your strengths are your passion, your intensity, and that's what gets you into trouble when you don't manage it. And so that's that whole notion about becoming aware of who I am. And when I started to recognize that, I started to realize that I had this incredible gift, but I had to make sure I understood that I didn't have to please anybody else. And the only person I had to please was me, and that that freed up my instincts. Because i got to tell you, for the first time at 34 years old, I started to realize I don't have to be judged by my willingness or desire to please other people. The only person I have to please is me. And as I tell people, I've had a mad love affair with myself since 1983. I wake up every morning and say, Pete, you're one cool dude, buddy. <laughs> I love it. Nice part of, and well, the nice part about that is it's allowed me to vote all those years for making a difference in other people's lives. Because I don't spend any time worrying about who I am. I am who I am. Well, you know, good and bad. But and I think that's, so the notion is once I've learned to accept myself, and I've been, then, then you can learn to accept others. And you, you know, you dip, you dip your level of understanding as you appreciate, uh, you know, what they bring to a relationship. And that's the magic of a relationship. And so that's kind of how we built that model out. And um, like I said, there's a, the truths are all supporting of it. They're life's lessons, but. And I tell you that so it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. They are, and that last one is sage advice, and I can relate to that so well. I mean, I remember in that, that's kind of like where I hit my splat moment, you know, and and uh, the epiphany, if you will, or you kind of finally looked at myself in the mirror and said, "I do not like who this guy is." And um, even though I was getting the accolades at work and doing great things, I wasn't the same guy at home, and I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't accept myself. For who I was, so that is just—I mean, I love what you just said there, and it's so true. And in that point where you said, "You know what? I accept who I am," and it's—and then—and then I started looking at it as not so much as trying to reach a plateau or a destination. It was about 
accepting who I am and be, and having the intentionality and the willingness to improve and it's and understand it's a it's a lifelong process that never ends and and that's when you can start adding value to other people and that to me was the secret sauce what you just said you know adding value to other people helps you with your own influence and helps you become a better leader it's as simple as that really well that's how you value it that's how I try to I tell all our freshman athletes I said you know you kids all People have been sucking up to you kids since you were probably five or six years old because you've been better than everybody else athletically. But i got to tell you, for the first time in your life, you guys are going to start to face failure because everybody you play with and against is as good or better than you. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, now what you're going to start to understand is athletic ability and, and, and athletic prowess is not going, to, not going to carry the day. What's going to carry the day is what's inside of you. And, and for all of you, you're going to face failure in many cases for the first time. And I'm going to tell you, get used to it because that's what your life's going to be about. Oh, that's okay. Easy. And so once you can figure that one out, then you'll start to recognize how you could maximize the, 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 the talent that God gave you and what you're able to do with your, with your, not only your physical skills, but your, you know, your, your mental acuity as well as your spiritual values. Because if you can tie all those things together, now you start to realize that, that I can be more than I am. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be something I'm not. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, and the kids, they, they, you know, they, they get it. They really do. You know, it's for a lot of them. It takes them a couple of years, but finally most of them done will sink in if somebody's helping them along the way. So. And Pete, you are a wise old soul. I am so happy to have met you. And uh, you're right. The book is just, uh, it's one of, and everybody that listens to the show knows I talk about, it's all about common sense. I'm not into academic ethereal, theory i'm into practical common sense applications and you know you're, you're one of those guys that just you speak it and you write it that leadership principles just exist nobody none of us invented them they just are and they're there for us to discover they're there for us to take a hold of as long as we have the courage to do it i got to tell you one of my favorite rules as we wrap up here i i love truth number four that rules are for the weak uncompromised standards of excellence are for the strong. Can you quickly talk right. about that? I love that. I mean, I just think that's so true. Yeah, well, you know, and Vince and Charlie, I mean, not this, Charlie, and Kurt and Mark, you know, they really, they talk about that quite a bit, because they say when you create a culture of compliance, what you do is you rob an organization of its, oh, amen. its, its flexibility and its goodwill. And, and you know, I, I got to the point where I thought, you know, this back, and I talk about it in the book, you know, back then, you know, the way we managed our business, it was very top-down driven very parochial, but very hierarchical, you know, and, and what I realized was is that you don't need rules. Rules are for people. The only time we have rules can somebody screw up. The problem is they're gone and we still have the rule. Right. I don't want rules. I want people to be able to have the flexibility to be who they are, and all I'm interested in is a couple of things, and that is what are, what's important, as I used to, when I taught strategy in our graduate school, I still tell people today at the Berry Company, they said, we were only interested in two things. We had to sell a lot of yellow page advertising. We had to satisfy every customer. And when I got promoted to the president of the Berry Company, Jim Ferguson was the business editor of the Daily News. He came out to see me to interview me. And he said, Pete, you know, what, what keeps you up at night? You know, I used wholesome. And I said, nothing. I sleep like a baby. I wake up every two hours and I cry. You know, he, he had to know Ferguson. He still went right <laughs> over his head. So I said, Jim, you know, nothing. He said, what do you mean? I said, look, let me tell you what happened. Every day, 3,000 people, very people around the world wake up. It's halftime. We're down 13 to 6. We're going to get after somebody. I said, we do two things here. We sell lots of yellow pages, and we satisfy every customer. That's it. Every strategy we have is built around those two, those two uh, uh, deliverables. And 
we can do those two things, everything else is going to take care of itself. Yeah, beautiful. I said, so all of these rules and all of this stuff, you know, I, don't don't get confused with rules, with trying to, with, with expectations. So I think that's the, the, the whole challenge, as you know, is to try to, I always said, I'm going to, I'm going to spend the rest of my career trying to demanage our business so we can get people to maximize the time and the effort and the energy they have so we don't get screwed up. And, and you know what happens is, yeah. you have rules, somebody's got to enforce them. That's right. And that ties everybody up and on. So it's a, that's pretty simple. That yeah. one was pretty easy, really. Yeah. So. I love it though. Gosh, man, I could I could talk to you forever about this. I mean, I wish I would have I wish I would have worked under you under that thing. I love to have a, a more people see that type of leadership example. I love what you're saying. I love your book again. Ten truths about leadership. I I recommend everybody out there. This should be a leadership primer for everybody out there who's interested in becoming a better leader. I don't care if you're a rookie at it or if you're you're you've been at it a while. I mean, it's just one of those books that you can go back to time and time and time again and find something new. So. Kudos to you, Pete. How very, can, kind, very kind of you, Richard. I've that means a lot to you. Yeah. I, mean I know you, you've been exposed to a lot, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm passionate about this. I read a lot of books. I try to practice it every day, and it's a journey for me, too. But this is, I mean, I don't know. What a great conversation. I could I could talk to you for hours about this. <laughs> Where can people find you, Pete? How can people get in touch with you? How can people uh, uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, that's, uh, the best part is to go to my website, uh, Um or email me at Pete at PeteSpeaks.com. And uh, it's the email or call me at 937-344-3000. So those three ways, are, that's the best way to get all of me. And if they, if they contact me, I promise you I'll be back to you in a, in a jiffy. You know, so, uh, and listen, Rich, I'd love to sometime hook up with you. That would be pretty, pretty cool. Just to, Absolutely. I really appreciate and admire what you're doing because I think the, 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 the fact that you're able to collect so many different philosophies and approaches, but distill them down to, as you say, some very simple, uh, you know, I always said it's, it's simple truths and, 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 uh, in common sense, really to me, that, that, that really describes our life. That's it's, right. So I think what you're doing is really about simple truths and common sense. And That's I think right. you need to keep perpetuating your good work because so many people have benefit from it. Well, that means a lot to me, Pete. And uh, like I said, you're speaking my language, and you're you're just one of those guys that, yeah, this is this is this is exactly what I've been trying to talk about. This fits exactly the mission and the model of Dose of Leadership and what we're trying to do here. And uh, gosh, I'm just so glad to have met you. I'm, I'm definitely going to have you back on the show. And like you said, I will make it a point. You and I have got to connect at some point, and uh, it'd be fun to sit down and talk you, with you. You tell me when you want me to come to Wichita, and I'll be there. I'll right on, man. You. Right on. All right, hang on the line a little bit. We'll stop the recording, and I'll get some more information okay. from you. But, uh, guys, Pete, thanks for coming on the show. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.